Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you hear Sam snores? I can. He's so beautiful. Making happy noises. Why can't we snore like that? So. We can dream, can't we? Mm-hmm. Greetings. Hello there. This is I Only Like You. It's the podcast where a boyfriend and girlfriend, me and Sine. Hello. <laughs> we talk about movies and we talk about something that has annoyed us this week. I feel like you're running out of greetings. I feel like you're doubling up on them a bit. There's only so many yeah. ways to say hello, isn't there? <laughs> So I thought it was an ambitious like endeavour by you when we started the podcast to do a different greeting each episode. Yeah, then I was trying to make it related to the film, but then I only think about it once we start, so <laughs> I don't give myself much time to make it work. This week we have seen Lion. It's a new Australian film. Australian-Indian um, film. Yeah, I guess so. Um, before we get to our thoughts on that, which are going against the grain of popular opinion for once in our lives. We will talk about something very close to us. Hold on, were you being sarcastic about that for once in our lives? Because we're always... Yeah, yeah. Oh. Ha 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 ha. But before we get to the movie, we want to talk about something very close to us and very close to all people out there. Do you get the jokes today? I get it. Acceptable distances and people's lack of awareness of them. Lack of adherence to the personal bubble rule that we all know. We're all taught about it in primary school. Were we? It's the one thing I can remember. I don't think I was taught about a bubble. You have your own personal bubble. No one else can get inside of it. Well, no, I know now. I'm just saying. I don't think it was part of the curriculum back then. What do you learn about then? Dinosaurs, space, Pluto. <laughs> Pluto can be its own own topic one week if you want. You bring that every day. <laughs> I'm just still really hurt by it. Can we talk about <laughs> Yes. So recently we were at GOMA, which is the Gallery of Modern Art here in Brisbane, and we were just minding our own business, looking at the artwork. I was reading one of the descriptions on the wall. I turn around and there's a lady <laughs> literally over my shoulder. Not just standing behind you, almost like. You know Hamish and Eddie's ghosting? Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. It was honestly so close. If I had turned my shoulders, I would have hit her. I get that she wanted to read it, right? But we're not going to be there forever reading this like <laughs> little paragraph of description. Not at all. There's plenty of space to read it. It wasn't like I'd covered the whole thing with my hands or something. <laughs> Only I can read this. A little cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, way too close. Way too close. Um, we're at the post office recently. And then what's it when people get in lines and queues? They have to... Like, get as close as possible to the person in front of them. I think they think that they're going to get there faster. No, you get there as soon as the buddy Doris out the front gets through her, her taking a picture for the passport photo, which takes years. Yeah, that did take a long time, didn't it? Took ages. 
being closer to the person in front of you doesn't actually help. Same with driving and tailgating. I hate that. Actually, you're only going to cause an accident if you are right up my ass. It just makes me look like a dickhead, really. I think so too. Can I share with you an experience that I had at the grocery store the other day? Hey, it's one of those topics we keep coming back to on this show. I have finished putting up our... You were at the other end. Were you there? Yeah, you were at the other end. You were getting the bags from the thing and putting them into the trolley. That's my job. I had finished putting the stuff onto the little conveyor belt thing and put the little dividey plastic thing after my shopping. As you do, right? The lady said, thank you. I said, no worries. Thought it was a great interaction. But then... She had pushed the divider right up against our food, not leaving the small distance that I had left to to signal this was the end, and put her food right up against the divider. So if the divider was removed, her food and my food would have coincided. No one would have known whose was whose. Chaos would have ensued. You don't put your food right up against the divider, do you? Again, it's not going to get any... Get to the front any quicker. No. You know? I just, I feel like if the divider can't be lifted out with no collapsing of food or anything, that's what you want. You know, you want a clear, mm. you want a clearance for the divider. It's, just, it's dividing things. I just, I've never seen anyone push their food right up against the divider and then push the divider right up against the other person's food. I feel like that's their jurisdiction, you know. I'm not, I'm not putting it any closer to their food. They've put it down. That's their line in the sand. Mm. I could move it further away. Not that I would. But you wouldn't push it closer. I, I think once the divider's down, whoever puts it down, they it, That's it's the down. distance, it right? It's down. You can't go in interrupting that. Exactly. The the conveyor belt, it's got a little sensor thing at the front. So it's only as long as Jeremy takes at the front, you know, to, to put the food away. Exactly. It's putting your stuff closer. You might get, what, the extra, what, couple inches well, space I was trying to, your own to figure food. out what the distance was. I think I put it about a hand's distance, a flat hand, not a sprawled out fingered hand. Yeah, like a palm. Well, there are fingers attached to the palm. Yeah, but. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah like a, a lengthways of hand between my food and then where I put the divider. So about a palm, five, we might say. five centimeters. Okay. Right? And then I would expect the same distance to be matched by the person behind me. Mm. Would you not? What if, what if her food had. Um, gone on to our food. Well, it, it was could, about to. Because she, of the way the conveyor belt works. Honestly, know? she had a terrible stacking system. She was just piling it on top of each other. No, 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 no. You helped Jeremy out the front by putting the cold stuff together, putting the meats together, putting the veggies together, having the heavy stuff at one end. You have them in sections because you want to make it easy for him to pack it and not stuff it up. And you don't want to have more bags you need to. Exactly. I just, maybe it was just her. But honestly, I don't understand... Just just measure yourself next time, people, before you wreck society. I was trying to make a play on the words of the check yourself before you wreck yourself, but... It's okay. Probably wouldn't fit on a bumper sticker, but... <laughs> I reckon go by the five centimetre, your food, five centimetre, divider, five centimetre, their food rule. What about just in public? Like, how, how far away should the lady have been behind me at Goma? So, I, I was thinking about this. I reckon enough distance that someone else could have stood there. Okay, to have another person in between you and the other yes. person. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally, especially if they're a stranger. Yeah. It was weird. She was standing as close to you as I would stand to you. Mm. Maybe she was trying to 
shuffle on in. <laughs> maybe, Lon. Maybe she's like, oh, excuse me. And I'm I just would... reading this <laughs> this lovely description. Then I would have turned, well, okay, I guess I'm with you now. <laughs> the rules of proximity have put us together. <laughs> you get quite close to Sam sometimes. I'm his mother and I love him. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to touch that one. Okay, then, let's talk about Lion. Brr. That's what I should have done the start. Oh, you should have too. Yeah. Anyway, the movie is directed by Garth Davis. Um, it's an Australian production, and it's based off the real-life story of Saru Brearley, uh, based off a book he wrote about his, his life and his experience. We'll probably have gumps to get into spoilers for this one because it's this, the stuff we want to talk about is... Spoilatastic, as Sine likes to say. Stop. <laughs> um, but it's, the film's been out for ages. It's been nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards and it's done quite well here in Australia and overseas. So um, I definitely think you should see it. And our main complaint is that we don't think it's quite as good as everyone else is saying. And I know that's like a, the wishy-washy complaint, but like it's definitely not bad. But it's not the fantastic film people are saying. They're all being like... Oh, it's groundbreaking and it's tugs on the heartstrings and it's bloody like Titanic equivalent emotions. Mm, not really. Like, it's fine. See, the story itself is fascinating and very interesting, I think. And in the story, the actual story that the film is telling, is does tear on your heartstrings a little bit. However, the film itself I don't think is very well put together. Mm. And because of that, I wasn't quite as involved in the whole experience, and I'm not—that's what I'm getting annoyed at—that the film isn't quite as good as it as it maybe could have been. Mm-hmm. We'll just quickly talk about the story. Um, it's about an Indian um, boy, Saru, who gets separated from his um, brother and his family. He ends up on a on a train ride um, across India. Um, he ends up in an orphanage after being on the street for a while, um, and he gets adopted out of the orphanage by a Tasmanian couple. He grows up in Australia for the rest of his um, life, and when he's an adult, he um, starts thinking he should maybe try and find where he came from. He starts to worry about his family back home. Um, he then uses Google Earth um, back in the sort of mid-late um, 2000s um, and eventually tracks down his, his family, his, his village where he's from, and goes back there and, and finds, his, finds his family. And just that, it's a very cool story, isn't it? However, where's the conflict? Not that you have to have conflict for a story to be good, and mm-hmm. plenty of films we like don't have any conflict at all. Mm-hmm. But the story to me was the first part was quite interesting and, and I was quite gripped by his experiences in India mm-hmm. and being lost and trying to make his way around. However, once it turns to him being an adult, it's pretty much him just looking at a computer screen for ages until the final he does find his family. Yeah, but there even... Even then, though, he just discovers it one day. Yeah, it's not like... Exactly. There are no twists and turns. This pretty much happens. And, and like, you know what's going to happen because, obviously, that's the story and everything. But it, it really, the, the pacing was all off for me. I didn't feel yeah. like I understood his character. Like, I knew he wanted to get back to his family, and that's, it was, that's you know, that's an awesome story, you know, returning home. But... I don't know. I didn't know anything about him apart from his desire to want to go home. I didn't know how this was impacting on his life. I didn't know where he was living, what he was doing. What job he had. Yeah. And, like, it touches on his experiences with his girlfriend, um, 
But even then, it was just, I don't know, just not well done, I didn't think. One thing, one main complaint I really had with this film is that I had no idea how much time had passed yeah, at totally. any point. So he's researching and researching whatever. To me, it just seemed like one long night of research. But then his adoptive dad comes and says, oh, your mum misses you. And you're like, oh, okay, must have been a bit longer then mm. than that. And then you find out he's lost his job and but we didn't even know he had a job and it was just very, I don't know, there, there was no narrative structure, I didn't feel. Well, it was all very meandering until it happened. Especially at one point where he meets his girlfriend when he um, goes to university in Melbourne, he's mm. been from Tasmania, but then he ends up back in Tasmania. I don't really know what he's doing. Yeah. And I, I guess the point is that his search isolates him from his friends and, and his family because he's got, like, he doesn't even want to tell his own adoptive family what he's doing because he thinks it might be, they might take it the wrong way, that he's, like, you know, abandoning them themselves, trying to find his um, birth family. Mm. But, yeah, it, it kind of felt like he was just alone on his couch for a couple of weeks trying to search, you know. Yeah. But then I don't feel like they went far enough with that Google stuff, right? Mm. So a lot of the movie is spent him searching on Google Maps. But I feel like, I don't know, there's this weird like sort of digital zooming out and then there's like a digital world. They tried to add like some effects and stuff. I just feel like they they were so cautious of making it a film about him being on a computer. Whereas if they went further and look at the social network, for example, the way they included some of those techniques of being online it's just more interesting mm. i don't know you could have had it be the screen or have i don't know have it more i just feel like if you're going to do it why not do it the whole way i just feel like they kind of half asked did the search it's mm. fair enough um, i like your point where it was just him on a computer and then he does one day he stumbles upon it yeah apparently in the real story that's um detailed in his book he found some things, had some leads, they didn't go the right. I think that we read that he found some Facebook groups of the community and yeah. he tried to contact them and, and found out eventually that, yeah, he's on the right track. And so that would be so much more interesting. That find it? Some, like he's actually being resourceful and there's a few more steps to the journey apart from just I want to find them, I'm looking, I can't find anything, or I found them. Yeah. 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 That's the other big complaint is that we read about the story when we got home. And the real story with all that kind of stuff and the fact that he had another brother mm -hmm. and there's all these little things that would change and I know it's not a documentary and I know that things need to be changed for narrative cohesion when you're ad adapting a true story, but I don't think it did it in a much better way. Yeah. The real story was so much more interesting it than what was presented. Us coming home and reading the Wikipedia page about the film was actually more interesting than that section than of the, the film. Than two hours we spent watching, yeah. yeah. Imagine that, though, like someone's adapting your life story and then they just take out one of your brothers. I know, it's weird, isn't it? If someone's making a story with my family and they're like, oh, you don't have a brother or sister anymore, I'm like, well, I do, though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you mentioned the girlfriend in the film who's played by Rooney Mara. I thought she was completely wasted. She's such a wonderful actor. And she was in it for like two scenes and given nothing to do other than be yelled at and have an on again, off again relationship. Did they end up together in the end? Did they not? Like, well, no that's not answered. No one knows, do they? And the best scenes of the film were the scenes that he spent with his kind of university friends mm. at this 
the, the two like scenes. Dinner parties, you know, yeah. and just hanging out with his mates and talking with them and stuff. And they were, that that was actually the interesting bits where they talked to him about his heritage. Mm. And he didn't really know, he didn't really feel like he was Australian or Indian because he was raised in yeah, both. Yeah, in know. both, yeah. That was cool because you actually learn about him as a character rather than just staring at a. But then he screen. just never saw him again. And there was no closure with that story. And there was no closure with his girlfriend. No. Or even with his real family, really. Yeah, that's true. Like eventually yeah. they, they were okay. And mm. he, and his adoptive brother, like his parents mm. adopted another brother in Tasmania. And he um, has various issues going on. But that story wasn't quite resolved, was it? No. Which is fine. Maybe it's not resolved in real life. I just feel like. Well, it wasn't closed off in the no, story. No, it, it? Yeah. it needed something more. You know what really annoys me? Is that they've nominated Dev Patel as supporting actor? Yeah, it's, t- it's totally crazy. I saw on Twitter recently actually there was someone's written a book about this. Oh, really? But all the time in history that people have been gaming awards <sighs> nights. I just hate it. He's the lead actor. He's on the posters. He carries the story. He carries the story. He's first build. Yeah. Like they're trying it's to be Dev like, oh, oh, they supported each other, the young character and him. No, they didn't. No. No one's going to see it for Little Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> He's great, but <laughs> you go see it because Dev Patel's in it, you yeah, know. It's totally. not like – it's like making – like Nicole Kidman's in it. Mm. It's like putting her as the lead, even though she's very clearly the supporting. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing, her and her awful wig. Uh, but I'm glad you've talked about the performances because they are quite good. Even under the wig, Nicole Kidman is very yeah. good. I feel like there's a problem, though. Nicole Kidman's such a recognisable actress now that I only ever see Nicole Kidman playing a character. Yeah. I never, ever see the character anymore. I thought that last night. I actually watched Hunger Games again last night and mm. I was just analysing how Jennifer Lawrence was acting. Not. As opposed to when I first watched it back when it came yeah. out and I was probably just experiencing the film. That's interesting. It's funny how that works with the star system, isn't it? Mm. Um, apparently, I don't know if this is true, my mum told me this, so who knows. <laughs> when the book was first being optioned for movie rights, um, Saru's mum was like, oh, maybe they'll get Nicole Kidman to play me. And they did. Oh, really? I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's true too. I really liked the reveal of why the film was called Lion. Yeah, that was amazing. That gave me little goosebumps. And... Yeah, like I don't want it to sound like we're um, just bagging out the film. We just don't think it's quite as good and it's kind of made us annoyed by the film. But actually the film is quite good. Performance Dev is great. And that accent he does, that's better than some Australian accents I know. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, he was incredible. Sometimes I couldn't focus on the film because I was like, you said that word right. Yeah. Like you never ever hear that word said right he's in an Australian a, he's accent. He's an amazing actor, isn't he? Yeah. Earlier you said you felt really engaged with the um, story of him in India as a young boy and everything and all mm. his plights and everything. Mm. I agree. However, it does not do, it did not do nearly as much for me as something like Slumdog Millionaire did. Mm. And that's not to say, oh, we've had a great representation of that, one's enough, we're never going to make another film about that. Sure. I don't mean that. I just mean, like, it's hard to do that differently or still present that same thing in a different way than what we've already mm. seen. Like, it, it didn't... And as we mentioned before, it's hard not to compare it, especially yes. when Deb Patel is in it. Yeah. And it's about, you know, the poor people in India. Yeah. Poor kids in India. Yeah. I think what's annoying me most about the film is that we don't like, I don't like that everyone's kind of enamoured by it and I don't want this to sound arrogant or hoity-toity or self-indulgent, but I feel like 
particularly people who don't study film, who are just casual cinema goers, get swept up in the emotion and the, you know, oh, he's trying to find his family and he's a young kid and he's an orphan and all that kind of stuff. But they don't actually look whether it's a good movie or not. Yeah. Right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing because cinema goers are how people make their money and that's how you know if it's a good film or not. And if people like this film and get swept up in the emotion, then the film's done its job and who cares what I think. But I feel like it's almost a bit manipulative of the filmmakers to push that emotion and have it almost be a smokescreen for actually having Mm. to put any thought or effort or um, attention to detail in the structure of the story or the Mm. structure of the film. And I feel like that's why everyone loves it because they're caught up in the story. But then you go, but this didn't make sense and this didn't make sense. And they're like, oh, yeah, but it was a good film. Mm. Well, I, I really struggle with that and it really pisses me off because I don't think it was structurally a good film. Like compare this to Arrival, which is so narratively brilliant and complex and new. It's just, it doesn't doesn't hold a bar to it. But for some reason, people are more emotionally connected to this one because it's got a little kid crying and it's about finding a family and it's very emotive. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely, it's emotionally charged film and it does appeal to certain people. And that's that's totally fine. You're right. It's not its job if people are connected to it. I do think people have the filmmakers did try and make the best film they did in everything, and they did pay attention to that those things. But it just wasn't didn't pull off, did it? Yeah, I'm not exactly. saying that they you know purposely made a shit film. Yeah, yeah. I'm just say, saying that I think they got away with a lot of with not having the attention to detail that it would have required had it not had that other element that they knew people yeah. would love. And the other thing is, you can have an emotionally charged film that creates emotion in the audiences and also be structurally sound. Mm. and, you know, well put together. It hasn't got to be either or, does it? No, but I think what you said earlier, if it had more weight, if it involved us a bit more, if it had more structure, if there were more twists and turns, if it included the Facebook groups and him trying to contact other people and be like, do you know this place? I think we would have felt more emotion because we would have been more involved in the journey. Well, it would have been a real journey with, like, detective sort of thing. Like, he would have had leads and red herrings and stuff, you know. I just feel like I would have been more involved. At the moment, I felt watching it I felt like I was at a distance from it Mm. this is the emotion thing and you're watching that I didn't feel a part of the story that everyone seems to be like swept up in this emotion thing I didn't feel that at all Um, I do think it is the the well put together films that stand the test of history you know test of time um emotion only gets you so far Mm. people people go back to look at movies that are really well put together and well made more than they go back to looking at the emotion because once you've seen it once, you know, how, how many more times can that emotion still get you the same way? Having said that, I've watched The Notebook upteenth times and I always cry in it, always. Mm. I always cry in Finding Nemo as well. Yeah, that's, that's So that's I return true. to them with an emotional... I guess so, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's, that's true. Some people watch films to elicit emotions mm. from themselves. I was thinking if your only film is about... You know this emotion, perhaps. Yeah. Over time, it would it would you know it wouldn't be as strong diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. However, maybe it would well for some people get even better. So. Mm, mm. Yeah. As always, if you've liked this film, that's totally fine, and I'm not gonna be upset with someone for liking a film. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want you to feel like we hate you because you don't like a <laughs> film that we don't like. I just except if you like Rogue One. Yes, Benjamin. then we can never be friends, Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs>
no, but um, yeah, what we want more than anything is is well put together films, you know, mm. especially when um there are so many films out there and you you spend your time and money to watch one in particular, you want it to be really good, don't you? Yeah, I feel like that's a common thing with movie critics. I'm not calling us critics by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying people who analyze films. Everyone thinks we're very we hate everything and we just want to hate everything. Hmm. I actually want to love every movie I see because isn't that so much better for us and the filmmakers and everyone involved and would yeah. more like would enrich my life more than seeing a shit film? That's exactly right. Yeah. So I think like we discussed with Passengers, the biggest frustration is when a film is almost there or when they just needed a few more edits to get to a place of amazingness. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we've seen films like Arrival that is just out of this world and La La Land that are structurally perfect and it's hard to kind of give these films that don't have that as much weight or as much value because I feel like, well, it can be done. Mm. Look at these examples. So I, I don't have a lot of – I'm quite impatient, I guess, when I don't see a perfect film sometimes because I don't know. Well, especially when, like – as I said before, everyone who's making the film is trying to make the best possible thing they can. Mm. But it's like you spent three or four years on this and you still didn't work out that one little detail and that's ruined the whole film Exactly, for me. yeah. You know, not this film I'm talking about. No, not Lion. But yeah, just films in general. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, though. I read a cracked article recently about um, it was by a film critic and he was dispelling some of the myths, like, like he just said. He's like, well, basically said that people who write about films for a living love films more than anybody. Mm. And they're not, you know, they're not. Don't want every film to be a um, Hitchcock or a, you know, a early fancy art house thing. Mm-hmm. They want the film that they're watching to be the best film that it can be. Yes. And if it's a Transformers, it should be the best Transformers it can be. Yeah. You haven't got to compare that to, you know, Ingmar Bergman or something. If you don't want to. Yeah. In a little preview for next week, we're seeing we're going to review a film that is definitely the best film that it could be. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, totally fine. Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker. I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the best thing that it could be and it's fine. So we just want films to be good. I think that's a good night to leave it on. Yeah. <laughs> we want people to truly try and engage with us some more. We want to engage with you. Um, so if you liked Line, if you think we're totally wrong, please let us know. Send us a message on Twitter. You can follow us at I Only Like You. Yeah, you can look that up on Twitter. It's yeah. on our SoundCloud page if, you, if you're interested. Yeah, but also tell your friends if you like this. Um, Tell your your mum, your dad, your Saru. Your mum will love this probably. Yeah, my mum did. (laughs) You know what she said to me? What'd she say? Well, I said I didn't like it that much. She was like, oh, yeah, but it kind of appealed to me, you know, mothers and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Because it's about him finding his mum and stuff like that, you know. So because I haven't got any children. I've got Sam, I guess. Sam is your child? You're his father. I guess if I had to find, if he found me after being away for so long. Right? Yeah. Like those stories about cats that leave home, run away from home, and then they find them again 10 years later. Ugh. I think Sam would just go find someone else. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> First person that let him in. <laughs> yeah, food? Yes, okay. <laughs> anyway, yes, thank you for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.